What does biblical manhood look like for single guys? Well, I would say, first of all, if you're not in a healthy church right now, that's one of the things that you should be doing like right now. And then if you are listening to this and you're you're convicted by it, I would say one of the things you should do right away is repent, knowing that you have a savior that had, has bled and died for every one of your sins, even the sins that you've yet to commit. Hey, and welcome to Zero Compromise, helping you stand for truth in a world that falls for lies. I'm Patricia Angler, joined here at the Creation Museum by Jessica D. Ford, aka JJ. Hello. And Rocket Rob Webb. What's up, guys? And we have a topic today that is a big cultural topic. I actually ran into this just yesterday. I was at a bookstore and there's this book title about toxic masculinity. So we're going to talk a little Ooh. bit about that today. <laughs> yeah. So what's going on, JJ? We're very excited to talk with Mark Montez today. We're really looking forward to the conversation. Yeah. Make sure you guys stay tuned for this whole conversation. It's going to be an amazing episode. So make sure you guys stay tuned until the very end. It also helps with our YouTube algorithms as well. So for more people who watch, to the end and then the more clicks then we were able to get this message out to more people so make sure you guys stay tuned for the whole episode like and so, subscribe like and subscribe <laughs> as well so mark thank you for the uh for coming on to the show here so let's go ahead and start off a little bit about who you are and start with your story as well yes yeah, so thanks for having me on here um i'm a happily married man to a beautiful wife and i have two boys two awesome boys i work for a transformer uh, redistribution company uh maddox industrial transformers located in batavia ohio and um and have you been a christian most of your life? I have been a Christian for most of my life, yes. Yeah. Take us back maybe five, ten years ago. What did your Christian walk look like about a decade ago? Oh, boy. Uh, about a decade ago, I would say that my Christian walk was uh, more along the lines of a nominal Christianity. In name only, uh, attended church fairly regularly, I would say almost every Sunday. Had somewhat of a prayer life, did somewhat of a Bible reading, and that's about where it ended. There was no transformative areas in my life where I could see myself progressively becoming more like Jesus Christ. It was just more of a, I, this is just what I do. This is what my family did. This is what I did. You know, uh, I had devotions, uh, celebrated Easter, celebrated Christmas, and, and that was about it. So to talk talk with us how the Lord broke you out of that and how you went from a nominal Christian to being more of a Christian that had conviction, that wanted to be undisciplined and obedient to God's word. Sure. So I would say probably about three years ago when our country was a kind of just disarray with everything that was happening, uh, George Floyd, coronavirus, all those things, uh, I started to get challenged. Um, and I think that initially happened when I had went on to Instagram and posted the infamous Black Square in uh, remembering George Floyd. And I had a faithful brother reach out to me and send me a video uh, from Vody Bauckham about cultural Marxism, uh, a term I'd never, ever heard before. And once I watched that video, it kind of just opened my eyes to what was going on around me. And then I realized that the church I was going to was not speaking to some of these issues, which in turn made me have some discussions with the elders there. It made me reassess our, our membership at this church. And ultimately, through prayer and just through multiple conversations with the elders there, I realized that that was not a place that I wanted my family and I to, to be attending. Um, shortly after that, we joined a church, uh, a very small gathering that was meeting in, a, in the garage of a, a house of one of the members there. Most of the people that went to that church had left our church that we had just left over the same issues. So I started to see a different Christianity than I had been exposed. Uh, Christianity where you weren't just going to church 
on Sundays. You weren't just reading your Bible every day. Those are great things, and we should we should do those things. But I started to see people whose lives were actually reflecting what it meant to be Christ-like, what it meant to strive for that, what it meant to apply what you were hearing on Sundays to your life every day. Beyond just prayer and quiet times, as, as great as those things are, but actually applying Scripture to all of your life. Yeah, kind of that cultural Christian role, which sadly a lot of Christians kind of go into. They mm-hmm. kind of go into that um, that mode of, you know, I go to church every week, I'll read my Bible every once in a while, and I'm good to go. But it really, yes. like you were saying, comes down to that transformation. It comes down to that walking with Christ, becoming more like Christ. And so um, in terms of what that looked like, because back then you were unemployed, right? Is that a true statement? Yes, this was back in 2020, 2021. I was unemployed. I was I was at home. My wife was working. Uh, Which we'll have on for the next episode, so make sure you guys stay tuned yes. for that one. It's going to yeah, be that's, an that's, exciting one. Yeah, that's a good one. I was uh, I did some part-time work, uh, maybe 10 to 15 hours a week from home. But for the most part, I was heading up the homeschooling for our boys and just doing you know anything around the house that yeah. needed to be done. Essentially the like stay-at-home that. dad kind of role. Yes. Yeah, and so and of course, not, not saying that uh, every single dad has to be in that certain circumstance. Of course, we live in the fallen world, and we're mm-hmm. talking about principles here. Um, and of sure. course, exceptions don't make principles. And so, but in terms of that stay-at-home dad role that you had, what are some convictions that really brought you out of that to really start understanding your role as a father in the home? So we started attending this church fairly regularly. The Garage Church is what it was affectionately named as, and we started going to. Uh, so you guys were meeting in the garage, just real quick. We were nice, like uh, a garage an, band. an actual like garage. garage. Church. <laughs> All right. Yeah, we eventually found a, a church building to relocate to, but in the time being, that was uh, just based on the amount of people that were coming. That's it was sufficed. But I started to see, uh, have conversations with some of the men, and, and these were faithful brothers. So, of course, they started asking me, well, why are you not working? First Timothy 5, 8 was, was brought up quite a bit about a man that does not provide for his household is worse than an unbeliever, which kind of scared me to hear that. And it caused me to kind of do some research on my own. Uh, initially, I, I would say I pushed back on it and I said, well, I'm, I'm working a little bit in the evenings and I'm homeschooling my boys, I'm providing, you know, uh, I, I tried to skirt the issue that way by just sidestepping it and be like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm doing these things, so I'm good. Um, but we were going through a book in our men's group called uh, Masculine Christianity by Zachary Garris. And I think I got halfway through before I realized that I was wrong. I was, I, I really felt convicted. Um, like I said, I had faithful men um, coming to me and, and they weren't attacking me. They were lovingly showing me the error in my way. Um, one of them was a uh, pastor of our church. He eventually became the pastor. He wasn't at the time, um, but he was faithful and loving and a, a true shepherd. And uh, and it was through him and, and through some of the other men there that I was able to confess my sin, ask the Lord for forgiveness, and then get to work. Amen. It just again shows the the lack of discipleship we have in churches today, you know, with the older generation passing on the knowledge to that next generation. So praise God that uh, older yes. men were in your life there. Yeah, absolutely. And again, like there could certainly be situations where for whatever reason, and the dad can't work, and yeah, not to mm-hmm. not to say anything about that. But um, in terms of even like where wherever a guy is at, there's just some biblical principles for what Christian, I guess, masculinity looks like. So from the Bible, what would you tell young men specifically? What does biblical manhood look like? Biblical manhood looks like modeling the true biblical man in scripture, and that's Jesus Christ. And so what we see Jesus Christ doing is being faithful to his bride, laying his life down for his bride, like it talks about in Ephesians 5, and we're supposed to model that. And that means that every area of life, we're supposed to model that. And so I think leadership is is something that needs to be embraced. That's not something we see a lot of young people nowadays doing. It can be 
something like Zoom Church, which really took off during 2020. And so I think one of the problems is, uh, as men, and I think just Christians in general, we look to the culture to give us our cues instead of looking to the Bible. And so we just have to get back to what the Bible teaches. Second uh, Timothy 3.16 says, the, all of Scripture is God-breathed and useful for correction and reproof, and that's where we need to be starting. Amen. Yeah, we either start with God's word or man's word. We, like we say here at our ministry all the time, there is new, 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 no neutrality. And based on your starting point, that's how you're going to draw your conclusions. That's how you're going to live your life. And and so, in terms of some basic foundational roles, in terms of what the what the Bible says, what is marriage? Right, it talks about um, you know the bride and the groom. It talks about Jesus Christ being that groom, and, the, and then the church being the bride. That Jesus loves the church. Mm-hmm. And so, how has that transformed your marriage? For example, in terms of how you treat your, your beautiful bride? Well, um, I realized uh, when we were going through this book that that was not something I had done. And really, prior to going through that book and even becoming part of that church, we had a lot of marital issues that seemed to be bubbling at the surface. And they would kind of go away, and they would come back again. And since I've had time to reflect on that period of our life, I've realized that it it really was just me not stepping up to the, to the table in doing what I was called to do, what God has called men to do. I mean, you even look back at Genesis 2, you look at what, what God did. He put Adam in the garden to protect and to keep it. And that word, uh, protect, can also mean guard. And it would make sense because there was an enemy in that garden that Eve needed to be protected from and Adam failed in that responsibility. And we know how that story plays out. And so I, I think um, just looking, looking to how Jesus Christ is faithful and how he lays his life down for his bride, how he goes after the the lost sheep, leaves the 99 and goes back for the one. I realized that my theology had not become functional. Well, it had become functional, just not in a biblical way. And so I think it was Michael Foster, actually a couple of days, talked about functional theology and how you are practicing functional theology, but which kind of theology is that? Yeah, especially with us Christians, we like to, you know, uh, have all that information, have all that theology, but we never actually put it into practice, never actually yes. apply no it. no application. And then going back to what you said earlier, Genesis chapter 2, I love that you mentioned that in terms of what is our role, um, you see that God placed Adam in the garden and told him two things, to work the garden and to keep it, right? So work meaning to provide and to keep it, of course, meaning to protect, and then also as being a leader. Um, after he created Eve, he was, he was to lead his wife, he was to lead his family. So one of the things I say all the time is for young men, we're called to lead, we're called to provide, we're called to protect. Really, that's it, those three fundamentals. And of course, the enemy has been going after fathers ever since the beginning, ever since Genesis mm-hmm. chapter 3. He's been going after the father because he knows if he takes out the father, he takes out the family unit because he knows he has to go after the leader. And so one of the main things that I've been noticing with Christians is really the corrosive lie that's been going around the around just idleness, right? In terms Mm -hmm. of not going out and fulfilling that dominion mandate. Um, Did you have any of those kind of struggles? during your testimony, your story? Yeah, I, I would say initially when when this was kind of revealed to me by a goodness of the Lord, really, I remember taking our oldest son to one of his therapies. Um, our oldest son has autism and he had uh, occupational therapy. And I remember sitting in the parking garage waiting for his appointment to end and talking to one of the men that had uh, addressed me on this issue and just telling him, Jeremy, I, I don't know what to do. Like, I, I have a very limited skill set. I don't know which direction to go. And he just encouraged me. He's like, just think about today. Be faithful in, in, in today, the things that are ahead of you. Control what you can. Take small steps in faithfulness, and the Lord's going to reward that. And so I did. I started looking around for jobs. 
I was having a really hard time finding a job. And, and shortly after that, a, a group of men and myself were going to attend a a live podcast for the Theology Pugcast. I don't know if anybody's familiar with that. Um, it is a podcast that's hosted, co-hosted by C.R. Wiley. He's a he's a pastor in Battleground. And the day before we were going to go, all six guys, for some reason or another, canceled, couldn't go. So it was just going to be me going to this. I didn't know anybody there. So I was like, you know what? I think I'm just not going to go. Uh, I don't know anybody. It's going to be super awkward. I'm, I'm an introvert, really extreme in those kind of situations. And my wife was, uh, I don't know how, but she talked me into going. And so I was like, oh, okay, I'll go. And so I get there, I go into the uh, main area, it was at a pub, and the main room that they had reserved for this, there was one seat left, and there's this guy sitting next to the open seat, and he kind of waves me over, I have no idea who this guy is, and I'm like, this guy seems too too happy to be calling me over to him. So I go over there, and he's like, yeah, there's a seat here. And so I sit down, we, we start having a discussion. And then as the podcast starts, he leaves. He's gone the whole time. And then when he comes back, uh, he apologizes at the end. He's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I had to leave. I'm helping run this this podcast. I'm like, oh, yeah, no no problem. And so we start talking. He asks me, you know, who I am and what I'm doing there, what I do for a living. So I tell him, actually, I'm looking for work right now. Uh, it turns out he was the CEO of Maddox. And I didn't know. No I never... Way. Yeah, I so never met cool. this guy before. And so we start talking. And he's telling me about what they do. And I immediately start trying to find a way to get out of it. I'm mm. just like thinking to myself, oh, I don't I don't work with tools. I don't work with my hands. This obviously is not for me because if the Lord was going to provide, it would be something tailor-made for me. That's just really putting God in a box. But <laughs> I, I left that podcast and went home and thought about it some more, talked to some of the guys that were supposed to be there, and some of them ha- happened to actually know this man. He had left me his phone number. So I, I called him back a couple of times. We had a couple more discussions. It sounded very promising. Uh, by the end of those discussions, it sounded like I'd have the job, essentially. So he told me to contact their HR department. I, I contacted them. He said, let them know you've already spoke to me. Shortly after that, I had a discussion with Michael Foster. He was doing the screening. Who for, also works for Maddox. Who also works for Maddox, yes. Mm-hmm. So he calls me. That goes really well. And, and then I had an actual interview. That went really well. And I was told, Three weeks, you'll probably hear back from us. And two days later, I get a offer, offer letter in the in my email. Praise God. And uh, that's kind of the Cliff Notes version, but that's basically what happened after that. And it was just like amazing to see how fast God provided. It was a couple of weeks before that. I had no idea what I was going to be doing and how I was going to be able to provide for my family. And the Lord really does reward faithfulness. I was not looking for a reward. I was just looking for God to provide for our family. Yeah, that's awesome. You mentioned the virtues of leading and providing and protecting, and those are a reflection of Christ and the example that Christ set forth for men to live that out. And those standards for men don't exist apart from Christ either, because otherwise you're just stuck with the cultural whims and subjective nature of what mm-hmm. other people think biblical manhood is. So it's a it's good to go back to God's design and what he sets as those standards for biblical manhood. And that's probably not always easy to live out, especially right away yes. when you're trying to figure it out. So what did that look like in the home for you as you started to develop this conviction? How Did you flounder a little bit? What did that look like as you progressed into that in the home? Sure. I, I, I floundered a bit. I think one of the ways that that happened, well, first of all, I would say that anytime you're, you're rebelling against God's design, it really just brings disaster upon your family, um, your personal life. Um, that really does put a barrier between you and God. Um, but I think one of the ways in which I floundered was just trying to get into that 
rhythm of living a new life, essentially. It's kind of like working out, like if you haven't done it for a couple months or maybe even a year, and then that first day back or first week, it can be painful. You're like, wow, okay. I, re- I remember what, you know, what this feels like. Especially it can- leg day. Especially leg day. Yeah, just they're like spaghetti noodles by the time you're done. But uh, I think that was one of the big challenges was exercising muscles that really had just atrophied uh, then. And so um, I think getting my wife on board with that, she was really wrapped up in her career. That was really part of her identity. And I think um, when we do that, when we kind of intertwine with culture, what the culture says is good, what the culture says we should be pursuing, it really is difficult to try to um, unravel ourselves from that. Yeah. A quick question. I'm just kind of thinking, because we're talking a lot, some great themes like leadership and protection and that type of thing. A question, though, uh, if there's a number of single guys listening who maybe aren't in a family leadership role at this point, or maybe not ever. I mean, we know even Jesus was single, and yet he was still leader, provider, protector, all that. Mm -hmm. He has his his bride. Um, But what would you say for single guys specifically to be, like, what does biblical manhood look like for single guys? Well, I would say, first of all, if you're not in a healthy church right now. That's one of the things that you should be doing like right now. You, you should be trying to find a, a church body to plug into. Hebrews talks about not forsaking the gathering of the brethren, which some are in the habit of doing. And we see a lot of men, and I think just Christians in general, really taking their cues, again, from the culture. This is, we can't get away from this. The culture really has just infected the church. And one of the ways that we do that is we kind of look at Christianity as just a personal thing. And where the Bible talks about were stones that have been built into a, a living house. The Bible talks about the body of Christ. We're all part of the body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. And there's plenty of other references about the body. We're, we're called God's family. We've been adopted. And there's a lot of language that talks about what we are now as Christians. And so really just getting rid of that uh, individualistic mindset and, and looking at the church as uh, Christ's bride that he died for. I think that was a big one. And then, you know, if, if you are listening to this and you're you're convicted by it, or maybe you're you're seeing yourself in my story, I would say one of the things you should do right away is repent. Repent of what you've done, repent of how you've lived, knowing that you have a savior that had has bled and died for every one of your sins, even the sins that you've yet to commit. And so that empowers us to walk in newness of life. That that dead man no longer has has power over us. And so I think just making Daily little changes. There's that Jordan Peterson quote where it says, like, make make your bed today. Mm-hmm. You know, I think there's some real wisdom there. I think just doing the little things that you can control. I, I think of that conversation I had with Jeremy when I was in that parking garage talking on the phone. I just felt totally helpless. And he was just like, whatever you can do today, just do that. There you go. And so I think just taking small steps. You're not going to do something extraordinary. Most most people, it's not going to happen overnight. I think of the, this is kind of a, applicable to my situation because I am married and I have kids, but there's a G.K. Chesterton quote that says, the most extraordinary thing is an ordinary man, an ordinary woman, and their ordinary children. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a lot of a lot of wisdom in that, that extraordinary things are really just walking in obedience uh, to, to God and keeping his commandments. Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Not if you love me, you'll have uber emotions about me and, and weep uncontrollably. No, there's there's action uh, attached to that. There is doing. Um, we're told not to just be hearers of the word only, but doers as well. Yeah, to fulfill that dominion mandate. And that's one of the things I see with so many young men, especially single men today. It's like, um, you know, if, if you're a single man, you have that time to go out and do kingdom work, right? Mm-hmm. Go out and fulfill that mandate of spreading the gospel spreading the message all throughout the world. 
I mean, just going back to Genesis chapter three, 2, uh, God put Adam in the garden, and he told him to work it for the greater good, not for himself, but for mm-hmm. the greater good, of course. And so um, that's one of the things that I'm always thinking about as well. And like JJ was saying, it's easier said than done, of course, yes. right? And we have to make sure that we're not relying on our own strength. We uh-huh. rely on God's strength. Ultimately, we pray for that constantly. So pray unceasingly. Yeah. In the last few minutes that we have here, do you have any resources or last minute advice that you would like to point people to? Yes. Um, I know I've talked about this a couple of times, but I, I really, I don't think we can say it enough. The culture really has just, it has really infected the church. There's a couple of quotes that I wrote down uh, for this for this podcast, and one of the one of the quotes is from uh, Dr. Joe Boot. I don't know if anybody knows. Yes, mm-hmm. Canadian. You, you so, well, know, not Canadian, but he yeah, lives no, in Canada, Canadian. so yeah. He, he he's did. He's. I he's think great. he lives in uh, the United Kingdom now. Mm-hmm. Oh, is he? Bet? Oh man. But the so Ezra I, I Institute. Met him in Canada. Mm-hmm. The Ezra Institute is is in Canada, and one of the things he says is that um, culture is what you do with God's creation, and everybody's doing something with God's creation. Culture is religion externalized. That's another quote that he has, and and then there's this um, Doug Wilson quote, and he says that your theology should flow from your fingertips, and whatever's coming out of your fingertips is your theology. Mm-hmm. So you can say that you uh, mentally uh, subscribe to certain things in, in the Bible, certain teachings, the Ten Commandments. Whatever whatever it is you're you're promoting but the way you're living is going to really show people what it is that you truly believe. And so the Masculine Christianity book by Zachary Garris was a was a phenomenal book. I, I'm still I still got to go back and finish reading it, but uh, he did a phenomenal job talking about kind of the cultural impact on Christianity as well as the impact that all the different ways of feminism had on the church and how men and women are actually operating off of what the feminist movement has said, and, and not really what God's Word has said. Yeah, and speaking of feminism, we're going to have your wife on the show coming <laughs> up next. So make sure you guys stay tuned for that next episode. And one of the things, real quick, I loved about your guys' testimony is when you came to that revelation, I guess you could yes. call it, uh, from God being able to know your role in the home, she came to also the same uh, thought, right? And you guys came came together, and you guys both wanted to talk to each other about it. And Yes. It was like the same, the same day we yeah. were both reading through our books, and we both just stopped, and we're just like, we got to change yeah that we we can't like really just my lack of leadership and and just blatant disregard for what god has has laid out in his word uh really just became unbearable and it and it was just like an elephant in the room it couldn't be ignored anymore and so we we definitely had to make a change and god and his uh was uh, revealed that to us and it was a blessing that's amazing so stay tuned to find out what happens there so thanks again for coming and sharing just some good real real stories real advice so we hope you tune in next time and meanwhile please keep standing on the truth of god's word with zero compromise see you guys later god bless